be sure to follow our website on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz, Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stull. Also, if you'd like to support the Hockey Hurts podcast, you can do so by going to the podcast page and sign up for a monthly donation. It is much appreciated. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for August 27th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And in this week's edition, we will talk about some of the recent signings and players that are still left unsigned. They include Mark Giordano of the Calgary Flames, Christian Erhoff, Cody Franzen, and maybe a few of the other forwards that are left to go. And we will also, we're going to do a division-by-division recap, not all in one day. We'll start with the Atlantic Division today. And we're going to talk about the best and worst moves teams made within that division. So lots to talk about. We'll start with uh, the big and kind of surprising, at least timing-wise, re-signing of uh, Mark Giordano of the Calgary Flames. I, I thought came out of nowhere, and, and when they released that it was going to be a six-year contract, I had tweeted out, I thought that it would be around $48 million, around that $8 million mark, and it wasn't. It was uh, $6.8 mil per year, so uh, I think they did really well here. They they did. I mean, everyone that's looked at it has thought of the, the end deal, which is 39 years old, um, but he's getting paid for past performance, and rightfully so. It'll be interesting to see if they come under a cap crunch towards the end of his end of his tenure there or whether he even finishes up there. So if you look at it for the right here, right now, the next three or four years at that rate, it's fantastic for Calgary. Yeah, he's going to be 32 when the season starts, but you could argue he's been the Norris caliber defenseman of the NHL the past two years. Uh, yeah. The 2013-14 season was kind of the beginning of, I think, more of the mainstream analytical following of things. Yeah. And he was a legitimate Norris candidate for that. You could argue he he deserved the award that year. Last year, I think people actually were fully on board with. Um, oh, it's just appreciating a torn his uh, greatness, <laughs> but he got hurt. It was just a torn bicep that threw him out. The bonus of that kind of injury, though, is it's a little bit freakish. If the surgery went well, reattaching the bicep back onto the bone. He shouldn't have reoccurrences of it. It's not like a chronic hamstring injury or he's constantly getting broken bones or anything like that. He should be fine. So if Calgary fans are worried about reoccurring injuries as he gets older, he literally should go through that pretty well. So he's going to have the six years, which will take him to age 38, 39, somewhere in that, that time frame. Uh, good skater, very smart, good puck skills. I could see him maturing. Uh, through his later years quite well. Uh, the nice thing is they have uh, players like Dougie Hamilton and uh, TJ Brody to help. If they need to take him off the top pairing, they can. And even when you get towards the end of that that contract, if he's still a second-pairing defense, as I would assume he would be, that's still going to be reasonable money for that kind of level player cap-wise moving forward because – the cap is going to go up. I think everyone's aware of that, particularly with the expansion teams coming in in the next couple of years. That cap's going to jump, so that cap it's going to look quite reasonable. And the uh, TV uh, 
Mm. I'm sorry, the Major League Baseball. Correct. Yeah, are gonna um, pour some HRR into the uh, salary cap as well. Um, Plus, they'll lose contracts like Derek Anglin along the way. (laughs) I mean, he's making three mil. There you go. There's your extension. You sign a player for seven hundred thousand, and that can replace Anglin's production, and you get Giordano, and it's like nothing happened with the extension. It's a wash right there. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, The other thing. I believe Giordano has no trade, full full no trade, first four years. And then the last two years, uh, there's more flexibility there. So That's actually that's actually reasonably kind of Giordano to give that. Because so. he, he would have had all the bargaining power there to, to basically say, no, I want to be locked up, I want to have full control. He's actually given some of the control back to Calgary there. I'm wondering... How much the Dougie Hamilton trade played into what um, Giordano eventually signed with. Because if Hamilton doesn't get traded there and then sign long-term, Giordano, even if he likes playing in Calgary, clearly he does, he he re-signed, he could have probably asked for more. But now Calgary kind of had just a tiny bit of leverage of like, well, you know, we do have this guy now. And, uh, you know, if you're going to ask for that, maybe we going another direction but didn't come to that no and also it shows that calgary are looking to improve i mean they weren't great with possession last year and adding a player like dougie hamilton certainly helps take the load off someone like giordano so it's there have been some positive signs over there in flames land yeah they were a terrible possession team last year um they were able, able to overcome it which is to their credit it's not easy to do um, it's also not something that I would suggest is a repeatable, consistently repeatable act. And they identified that, and they've gone and done some nice things. And their younger that's the players. Difference. That's the difference good. between them and Colorado. Colorado basically went with the same lineup and, and all of that after they fought the PDO monster, and they they didn't make the playoffs last year. Calgary have at least got there and looks as though they've gone, you know what, we aren't great with possession. Let's try and get some players on board that will help improve that for us. So it's not going to be apples to apples, you know, last season to this season with Calgary. It'll be really interesting to see how it pans out. And, you know, coupling the fact that Michael Froelich is a great signing that fits that bill on the forward front. And... Johnny Goudreau should be better, Moynihan better. Moynihan's going to be great. Sam Bennett, fully healthy for entering the season. He looked okay in his brief stint. uh, They just burned a contract year. They just burned a contract year. That's okay. So Flames, doing well. Um, They are indeed. Didn't expect that to to kind of hit the news wire when it did. No, uh, credit where credit's due in regards to secret negotiating. I know, right? <laughs> and I guess we'll shift on to another signing that I thought was just terrific for a team that's going to be in a cap crunch eventually. Christian Erhoff, one year, $1.5 million. I know he's, um, he's him or his agent has admittedly said that he's chasing a cup at this point. He's made a ton of money. He's got the Buffalo Sabres buyout money. Um, he made four mil last year with Pittsburgh, which is, um, it was under market value for him, but still good money. One year, 1.5 million to play on, uh, 
a Kings team that definitely needed to pick up another defenseman that was of higher caliber, and they did so very cheaply. It'll be interesting to see if they try to just slot him in and replace Voinov, you know, one for one in a sense. Because that oh, it, I don't think I don't think it can be overstated how important the loss of Voinov was to the Kings not making the playoffs. Yeah, and furthermore, they need to sign cheap, effective players because I think the Mike Richards stuff's going to come back and bite him in the ass. Oh, I think it should. Um, I, think we, yes. I think most people agree with that, that that's BS. But it's <laughs> I don't know how they're going to get away with that, but the money, I think, is going to come back on, or at least they're going to have to do a, a, a classic buyout, not a... You know the freebie, not the not the freebie one that they decided not to. Yeah, exactly. So that that one that one show of loyalty, that particular show of loyalty, might really really cost the Kings. A couple signs of loyalty. Um, you could argue quick, but not as much as you could argue Dustin Brown. Dustin, the the loyalty to Dustin Brown's going to sting him in the next two to three years. I think you'll see. A, yeah. He's making five point eight seven five million. Last year, you already started to see a bit of a decline from him. It's it's funny, you know. I love watching Dustin Brown play, but I've never really felt like he's produced as much as he as he's being paid. And you get there and go, when you're a cap tight team, you can't afford to have, you know, too many players like that. And they've got. Brown, they've got Richards, well, maybe, but you know what I mean. And then they've, like, they're lucky that they got away with Voinov coming off the cap. But then they they do a very nice job on some of the other ones. Um, yeah, Jack I agree. Carter at five point two is awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Like that Marion Carter at four point eight, pretty good. Tyler Toffoli, three point two five for two next two years, very good. Even Jake yeah, Muzzin that... at four point oh mil. That's a folly one in two years' time will be very interesting re-signing. Well, the big one for them is next year. Kopitar is not going to make $6.8 million in 2016-17. It's going to be closer to 10. As as it should be. That's, that's yeah, that's going to be a tough one. So. so it'll be interesting to see whether they... It'll be interesting... Actually, I'll be really interested to see whether they... Try to try to re-sign him when they can, and if he says no, I want to test the market. I don't think he'll do that. And whether they go, well, if you're going to test the market, we'll trade you. No, and I'll just blow it all up and start again. They'll buck up. They should. How can, how can they not? Well, they'll give yeah. him some um, eight years, eighty mil, somewhere around there. I would assume, right? That would be my minimum expectation for, for what he's worth, for what he provides for that team. You know, you can make that you can make the case that he's he's more important to that LA Kings team than what Taves and Kane are to Chicago. You can make that argument. So if you want to compare, it depends on how the agent wants to compare him against similar contracts. It'll, it'll be an interesting negotiation that one. So, um, lastly, on the unsigned front. Mr. Cody Franzen. Why is he unsigned? I think he's picking his spot, and the spots he's picking have some roster moves yet to make. 
uh, is there maybe a little bit of cap? Is there a particular team that you're not willing to say they're thinking of? I think you could have a few different teams. I think Boston, Columbus. I would even argue Pittsburgh if they're able to trade Rob Scuderi. I know just, that's not it, a highly likely, a lot, likely yeah. thing, but I, I do think the team is trying. As as a Pittsburgh fan, I don't think I'd want him anywhere near Columbus. I, I think a player like him really helps them. And Earhart, that was the rumor too. Yeah, well, very glad that Earhart didn't end up there. So you, that Metro division is going to be a, a nut case of a division. So keeping Cody Franzen out of any of the teams in that division will, will suit me as a Penguins fan. Actually, not saying that he he's not like a game breaker of a player, but he certainly helps in regards to keeping the puck in in the other team's defensive zone. So you, you want him on your team. I guess the weird thing I was crunching numbers the other day, and Christian Erhoff at one point five million. It just it's so weird to me. Pittsburgh wouldn't be interested in something near that value. When if they bought out Rob Scuderi, combine that money with the one point five million, it would still be cheaper than. Skidari's cap hit. I don't think it was Pittsburgh having a lack of interest. Yeah, I perhaps think not. That Erhoff, I think Erhoff's just gone, I can't go back to that place. <laughs> just with everything that he went through, you'd swear he was cursed in Pittsburgh. And, you know, many other players could think the same thing. Yeah. Fair point, fair point. Um, but so, Bronson, I don't think it was a lack of interest. I think he's just biding his time right now. I think he's... He's not going to get that. I think a lot of people thought maybe five-year or $25 million contract. That doesn't look likely at all anymore. But I don't think he's going to have to settle for an Erhoff $1.5 million kind of thing. Would he settle for a one-year two or three mil and then look to hit out of the park next year? Or is this his sort of payday year? Because next year I think there are some pretty good free agents out in the market. He has come out and said he's sick of one-year deals, like what Toronto's been giving him. Um, That's fair enough. I think a team like Buffalo, if they were to come with a $6.5 or $7 million one-year offer, that would be enticing. They're a defenseman short. And I I think that would be a really smart move. They've got, huh? Two or three defensemen short, you could argue. Yeah, and and that'll be... Buffalo will be an interesting team to see how they go. But it, it is just, for me, it's just a little weird seeing friends and still floating around out there like he is. We'll see. We'll, we'll start to get into the PTO um, offers and training camp. Is, is injuries play a role, of course? Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I think the team that gets him will get him for a fair value. I don't think he's going to come overpriced like before. I think yeah. he was misused in Nashville, and that helps drive his value down, even though I don't think it was his fault. He'll be a good good value for whoever picks him up. Whoever does grab him, yeah. If, you've, if you're happy to play him as your 3-4, three, three, not your 1-2, I think you're going to get good value out of him. Agreed. Um, I guess we will shift on towards um, picking some of the best moves and worst moves each team made over the offseason. Today we're going to start with the Atlantic Division. So um, I'll let you go with what you thought was one of the the best moves of the division. Um, 
I think the uh, Alexander Semen signing, to be perfectly honest. Oh, very nice. <laughs> um, he for a, a Montreal team that was poor at possession, they've gone and got a player whether he scores goals or not. More often than not, has the puck in the offensive zone, the defensive zone. So that can only be a positive for a team that struggled with that last year. So I, I and it's cheap as. I think that's the other thing that's that's great. It'll allow Montreal to be a little bit creative come the trade deadline if if they they want to be. Um, and if he does absolutely tank, it's only a one-year deal anyway. So the risk-reward is definitely in the reward section. Yeah, so very little risk there for such a highly skilled player with a well-documented wrist injury and a player who is best, one of their, is their best asset is, is the hands, the, the stick handling, and that just absolutely rifle snapshot that he's displayed over his career. Uh, yes, I, I think that's a good choice. Um, for me, I think I'm going to go a little, not off the beating path per se, but I'm going to say Jack Eichel for Buffalo Sabres, and I'm going to um, kind of explain it as that was a calculated move by Buffalo to tank and assure themselves the second overall pick. Sometimes you can't, you can, you can't be like, well, they got lucky in the lottery. Buffalo tanked for 30th, got 30th. This was their vision, and they landed their 15-year number one center. Yeah, they got unlucky to end up with Eichel, and it's still Jack Eichel. Like that's the reality of how they processed it. So you've you've been on the on the Murray bandwagon. <laughs> uh, I, I jumped on a little later than you, but he's done a very very nice job, and it'll be interesting to see now how he goes building a team up because he did a good job of tearing them down. So here's the challenge for him. But some people are going to be like, well, Eichel shouldn't count, but I, I'm going to argue that it should because that was their goal last year was to get McDavid or Eichel. And all their moves that Murray made last year point to that being what they wanted to do. When their goal oh, they started the, playing it, too well, guess where they went? Other teams. <laughs> that was so funny. Like, I'm sure the head office of the NHL would have been going, what the hell? You can't do that. But it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So I would argue that that was intentional. They executed their plan brilliantly, and now they have them. So I, I think that is one of the best moves in the Atlantic Division this year, and Eichel should be pretty great for a long time. Yeah, well, there's nothing to suggest that he won't be. So hopefully for Buffalo's sake, that's the case. What would you do for your uh, your worst? We may share this one. Maybe. I think it has to be uh, Dougie Hamilton in Boston. That's just baffling. <laughs> I know. It still doesn't make any sense. No. So None. Bruins giving up, not wanting to sign him for whatever reasons they want to give. Ends up signing in Calgary long-term, 5.75 mil. Um. I'm looking at the Bruins' defense chart right now, and you got Chara. He's going to play for – he's under contract for three more years. He's still very good. Not Norris-level good, though. I think he's starting to decline a little bit. Seidberg and that's what hurts. already has definitely declined. Tory Krug, nice younger player, not quite top pairing material. He's also going to be looking for a raise next year. Adam McQuaid, classic defensive – defenseman bottom pairing guy that's overpaid 
Um, they did sign Matt Irwin to a one-year $800,000 deal. I thought that was a good analytical signing, but once again, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, so if he plays well, they'll have to buck up. I just don't like what they did there. They they have a huge hole moving forward. The, their age and skill level of their defense core is not lining up appropriately. Well, no. I mean, and the, I think the other big thing for me with Boston, and you're exactly right in regards to the Dougie Hamilton trade, but it's the amount of money they kept with Milan Lucic's contract as well. Mm-hmm. That 2.75, that's a chunk of change that they're hanging on to. So you, you do kind of sit there with it and just think to yourself, well, you know, what do you do? <laughs> I just I don't know. I mean I know it's it, it's it's only for this season coming, isn't it? That they're holding on to that Lucic coin. Yeah, because Lucic is unrestricted. It was yeah. good for Boston to trade him though. They did well. They got a first round pick in Martin Jones for Lucic. They retained some salary, so be it for one year. But what they're um, what they got they trade flipped Martin Jones for another first round pick. So they did get two first round picks for Lucic who was a pending UFA and would have wanted an yeah. unjustifiable raise. I think one of the good, few good moves Boston made this offseason was, in fact, trading Lucic. Now, what they do with yeah. the draft picks, I don't know. Well, after you've explained it that way, you're probably all right there. I still don't think it makes up for the decision to just let Hamilton no, say bye-bye. Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, Compounded it is. by their choice to move Sagan a few years ago and then pay Krejci. Well, th- th- this is this is the thing that I've got. You, you get there and you look at the general manager that was the Boston Bruins general manager. Should the fans of Edmonton at all be concerned with what he might do with some young, start, uppity young players in Edmonton and just trade them away for the sake of you're not our kind of player, mm-hmm. i.e. Nail Yakupov? Uh, you just get there and go. He's, I just I've, that Sagan trade is going to haunt them for a decade. Oh yeah, there's not. You can't really argue otherwise. No. Is there anything else in um, particular you want to discuss about that particular division? Yeah, I'll throw out another good move. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could go back to Buffalo and, and talk Ryan O'Reilly or Vander Kane which would be obvious, great moves for Buffalo. Um, I'm going to go with Detroit, though, and a move that kind of went under the radar just a a little bit. And Detroit getting Mike Green for three years, six mil. Oh, I forgot about that. That is a great... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike Green, very... uh, He's very skilled puck mover, um can create offense, uh, not as bad defensively, I think, as some uh, think. And normally when you sign one of the better puck-moving free agent defensemen, it comes with a lot of term. And to get him for three years, six mil, I think they're going to get really good value out of him. And let's be honest, we've talked on this podcast a lot last year on how Detroit was a really good team, except they lacked a Mike Green. They did. They lack someone to just be able to move the puck on his own, and Mike Green can do that. And he's not going to have to play top pairing minutes. 
He might, but that's still better I mean, than where they were. Yeah, he's not going to have to. I mean, they could play him there. They might choose to, but they don't have to play him there. He's not forced into that role. It's why he played a lot better in Washington last season. Is he wasn't? He didn't have to be a top four. They could put him in there if they needed him to be, but he could just be a bottom pair defenseman, run the number one power play, and and go with that. Speaking that, of that power right. play, that power play I think was number one already. Detroit's were. I, I thought Washington's was. Well. Detroit was up there. Yeah, either way, it's and not fair for the rest of the league. Washington was up there. Uh, Mike Green was certainly a part of that. Yeah. So um, getting him to, to move the puck with Datsuk and Zetterberg, Nyquist, those kind of guys, uh, that'll that'll work well. Getting those those highly skilled forwards, the puck with speed and time and space, that'll, that'll be a nice thing for them, something that they probably not that didn't lacked. get enough of. No, and it sort of sucks for the rest of the division, really. And That's then, the thing. Detroit Detroit were hard enough as it was when they had a, a serious hole in the back end. So, yeah. Well done once again by Kenny Holland. Um, and then lesser on the scale of great moves, but I thought were good ones. Toronto did a, a, a few of them. They signed a lot of um, veteran kind of middle depth players like Sean Matthias, Daniel Winnick. They got Spalling in a trade, P.A. Parentel, Mark Arcabello. These are all guys with expiring contracts. I'm sorry, Winnick was signed for two years. But trade bait, come trade deadline time. They are a team that is rebuilding, and they're going to, in my opinion, spin these players off for assets that are, it's going to help uh, speed that rebuild up. So I thought that those were smart signings. Oh, I agree. It's uh, it's just funny that their highest paid forward is never going to get on the ice for them. But you know what? They have the capital to uh, eat money that doesn't count against the cap, unlike a yeah. lot of teams. So Nathan Horton at 5.3 mil, that's a lot of money for them to just eat. But what what team other than Toronto would be it would be so easy for a team to do that Montreal the, the other contract one. I mean yeah I know it's the thing like you get there and you chuckle at the Horton thing but they actually get that 5.3 mil back of cap space because it'll just be long-term injury reserve for the rest of his career so in reality it's just MLSE just who cares <laughs> that was a very good move um did you have any other kind of bad moves or another good move um no i i, I think I, I think we've covered everything off i mean you, you look at tampa bay and, and, and ottawa that they, they sort of didn't do anything kept it pretty <laughs> kept it pretty static would you say didn't do anything no for tampa and, and, that's a-okay they're pretty great team. no for that, ottawa, that's right it's like uh With well ottawa though but i i get that like their hands are tied their own as a tool so it, it's kind of hard to, to do anything there, and that, that sort of sucks for the fans. Like, I don't know what to expect out of that Ottawa roster, to be honest. They've got an absolute elite defenseman back there, and then you go, well, Mark Method, I don't mind him as a player, but, you know, Jared Cowan's going to be asked to be a number three, and... He can't. Kyle Turris is really good fun to watch. They need Bobby Ryan to actually play up to his contract. Not that he ever really is worth 7.25 mil, but that's, yeah, that's not the point. So, playing with a lot of years left. 
he he is. So it, it's it'll be really interesting to see whether they head in the direction they were before the coaching change, or whether they stay in the direction they had when Hamburg they, they got hot. hot goalie really and other teams in their division have gotten better i i just don't see it they're they're not going to get lucky and get a a month of the best goaltending in the in the nhl from an ahl goaltender but they do have craig anderson who is an nhl goaltender who can give you no, that caliber goaltender. I, I don't know why they gave hammond 1.35 they should have just kept laner well, uh, look, to be honest, I actually think that's another... See, Buffalo have done well. <laughs> if you look at a that... little bit of a question mark, but as a backup, I don't think so. But even if he is a question mark as a starter, they didn't fork out a lot of coin for him. So... Well, they did take Legwand fa- as part of that. Well, yeah, well, they've got cap to chew at the moment, though, yeah, so it doesn't... Right. It's- it doesn't. It doesn't really hurt them in in that regard. So yeah, that's the thing for me. It's like Ottawa, Ottawa and Tampa just stayed put. But like you said, Tampa could stay put. The only thing I, I would suggest that they think about doing um, is splitting the year early with Bishop and Vasilevsky, and hoping that Vasilevsky shows that he can hold the number one spot and trade Bishop's cap hit and get something big back for it. I mean, this is a team that's primed to win it. Uh, and they don't have to do that, make that decision early by any stretch of the imagination. It's just something I, I, I think they should do. That seems like such an obvious move, though. Go cheap on goaltending like Anaheim. Bolster an already Stanley Cup final caliber roster. I don't think the drop in goaltending equals the gain in what you would get asset-wise. I think that's Elsewhere. pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah. And look, if worse comes to worse for them and they go, holy crap, can we afford Stephen Stamkos because they're just going to give him a blank check, you can always move Bishop later. Yes. Yeah, the Stamkos stuff should be interesting. Technically, he could resign today. The longer that drags I, I, out, that should be interesting. <laughs> I kind of hope he does stay in Tampa. It would just be cool, I reckon, if he stayed there and rode it out, rode his whole career out there. But it's becoming less and less common. 25? I think so. You could give that eight-year max deal and do okay. Yeah. He gets to the end of that max deal and he can go to Toronto and screw them over. (laughs) Now, that Stamco situation will be interesting, which is why when you, like you said, you look at that roster and you get to Bishop at six mil when you have a, I think a goalie that'll put up similar numbers at one mil. Yeah. Yeah, money's got to come from somewhere, and then Kalorn well, is an RFA if, next year. And if, if you look at if you look at that Tampa roster for the season coming, where would you want to add five mil to the roster? They don't have to. Do no, anything. I know. No, but, they don't. Um, probably defense, maybe. That's where I was thinking as well, because I think they're actually going to get a jump in production from Druin just from yes, natural progression. From just so, him. <laughs> yeah, just actually giving him a chance to play in the top six. I think you'll you'll see Druin because they already improved uh, the Moro slot by getting Eric Condra. Oh yeah, um, so yeah. It's not much to do forward wise. It's just a matter no, of managing the the future salaries. Kucherov yeah. wants money next year. Uh, so will Kalorn and Stamkos. That's a lot. But they do lose Coburn and Oland 
which is roughly seven and light and a little bit eight mil. If you trade um, Bishop, that's fourteen mil. Yeah, and, and I, they're not in cap hell even with these players no, that are going to be looking. This is for the thing. Money. It was for me. It was like if you get there and you get rid of Bishop, you can suddenly get two two and a half mil depth defensemen for a playoff push, or you could go for a bottom six forward and a and a you know three four defenseman or something like that in a deal. So. Eisenman's really set up for this year in particular to do quite well. So and, and the future, even if Stamkos yes. goes elsewhere, and and that writing's on the wall, if they traded him at the deadline, it, losing Stamkos would suck. But <laughs> they have young players and a salary structure to where eventually they would be okay again. They're in it for the long term, no matter kind of what happens. No, They're brilliantly that, put together. Yeah, I mean. It's it's one of those things where you, you can't give it all to Eisenman, but he has stacked this team quite nicely since he's got it. And then um, I think I have a few more like low-level bad moves. Go for it. I'm actually going to steal the one that you said off off the air. PA Parento buyout for Montreal makes little. Oh, sense. that's baffling. That is absolutely baffling. Like. They signed Alex Semin, which you uh, pointed out was a great move. So why not yes. keep another guy that's similar instead of playing just junky, not talented forwards? <laughs> it's a nice general brushstroke. It just, yeah, it it just doesn't flip my, it, it doesn't flip my... Well, look, after having him as a coach of the Penguins and you could actually see the change... When he left, I, I think I, I think Montreal would be better served if they had a terrible twenty-game start, and they just chopped the chopped him off, got someone else in. I think there are players there that are getting absolutely nullified by the way he plays his, or the way he coaches his style of hockey, and I think the team would be much improved without him as coach. But his success you know. as a coach predominantly relies on a goaltender playing awesome. And Carey Price certainly can do that, but it also hides the fact that he's not maximizing the ability of his roster. Yeah. In Pittsburgh, they went to the cup final. They were atrocious. They were like the Calgary Flames of last year, except Marc-Andre Fleury had his best year they played of out his of his NHL Bryant. career. Yeah. And when that doesn't happen, he's on the chop block. I... I the Tampa Bay series when I remember when we did the preview of the Tampa Montreal series, I said, I still think Montreal will get through because I don't think price will have that drop off. And you actually got there and said, price only has to drop off one or 2% and Montreal is screwed. And that's all price dropped. He wasn't terrible in that series by any show. He wasn't the reason they lost, but because he wasn't stupidly amazing, when Montreal all world lost. is your minimum level of yeah, where you, you can go, it's like, <laughs> that's not got, really fair. You've got no wiggle room as a goalie if you're in that situation. It's just, it's tough. And Price did it all year and got all the accolades he deserved, but you go, he probably wouldn't have minded having a little bit more in front of him, so he had a little bit more breathing room if he had an off game. Yeah. And I guess and, you yeah. could... Um, similar to Montreal buying out Parento, um, 
the Red Wings being forced into buying out Stephen Weiss. I mean, that mistake was a, a few years ago, but it's, it's hanging. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. six more years of paying him one or him counting one mil against the cap, including one um, one year. Let's see. There's his bet. So the next one, two years, he'll be 1.06 mil. And then that third year, it jumps to 2.566 mil. Why does it do that? It's just the way it does it. Okay. So that uh, in 2017 yeah. 18. Um, well, that's the year Datsuk's got to be re signed. Well, he may be done. Well, he may I'm see hoping... him go home. I'm hoping That's just personal speculation. I could see Datsuk going home to the uh, Dynamo Moscow. Oh, that to... makes that considering his body, his age, all that. That makes perfect sense. I would just like him to stay in the NHL. Oh, no, selfishly that. speaking, I think yeah, everybody that's, does. Yeah, but, but you're um, right. There's a very good chance he'll, he'll go ahead and do that. Maybe but not. it's like Glenn, Glenn Dinning will be up for UFA that year as well. Tatar will be an RFA that year. Smith and Kindle will be UFA. Sorry? They'll have, they'll have cap space. It's just what an inconvenience that that was one of their big free agent signings and it blew up in their face and now it's going to hurt them mildly for years to come. A while, yeah. Because that buyout after that 2.5 mil year, it, it doesn't go back to the 1.0 mil. It goes to 1.66. Yeah, just out of curiosity, what do you think of the Brad Richards signing in Detroit? That was very good. I'll be it worked great for see, Chicago. It, it certainly did. It'll be interesting to see where he slots in eventually with setter. it all. He should be, shouldn't he? And we don't know what will happen with Johan Franzen and his concussion issues. No. But I, I thought that was a great depth signing. Um, I had spoken about before Pittsburgh got rid of Sutter for Benino, signed fair that Richards – was kind of the player they needed to slot behind Sid and Gino, but um, he's also the kind of guy that can slot behind Datsuk, Zetterberg, Franz, and Nyquist, and whoever yeah. else. It's not bad, is it? a winger. Never mind. You get my point. No, I get what you're saying. You Where Chicago needed him as a 2C, because they've it always does... kind of not had the... They won a cup with uh, Hanzus. As a second-line center, I believe. Just out, of, just out of curiosity, like, Chicago, for, for me, kind of bucked a couple of trends. Like, they literally played with only four D-men. Admittedly, one of them is Duncan Keith. But yeah, and another they, Zebrook, another Chalmerson. I mean, it's pretty good. I know their top three is great, but they still had to play a bucket load of minutes between them. At no point did it look like they were going to wear down, so they could sort of carry the back-end load... I'm still undecided for me in regards to like where a team needs to have more depth. Well, they're whether... also mildly lucky. They're very lucky in the sense that they don't suffer from injuries. No, no, no. I, I get that. Their superstars have been able to stay on the ice, but it's like you look at when LA have won it, from line one to line four and from D pair one to, to three, they've looked deep. You look at that roster and you go, yeah, that, I'm, I'd, I'd be very happy with that. Happy with that. You get there. There were holes in that Chicago team this year, plain and simple. There Towards were the holes. Roosevelt got hurt. They had to really pinch those D, but they were fine. They had good good depth. 
They finally started playing Teravainen. Yeah. Scored a few big goals, I think, right? Didn't he score in the final? I think so. I think you're right. Saad obviously did pretty darn good. He did. Got himself a nice little contract. Yeah. At least he'll have no Manson. Yeah, it's, that's true. Any uh, Anything else in the Atlantic before we get sidetracked into our other <laughs> divisions? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, there's probably a move that we're overlooking that we'll get tweeted about. But Well, we've not even said a word about Florida. Okay, I'll say something. Go on. They resigned Yager. That's pretty yeah, awesome. I just thought I'd bring up that <laughs> just for that reason in itself. Get Horn Yager into the podcast. I will never not do it. So, <laughs> um, just a little bit on Yager in Florida. They, um, I believe, Barkov's uh, points per sixty was a third line level or high third line, low second line level when before Yager came on board, and then the last uh, stretch after Yager was traded, it went to a very high level first line points per sixty. So. It'll be interesting to see a full year of them together. He's absolutely amazing, that man. (laughs) And I saw, um, I think, uh, Shelly Anderson, who used to write for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, had a really uh, funny either tweet or retweet. And uh, Yager's combined age of his line mates this year doesn't equal his his actual age. That's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) He's great, though. Oh, he is. He's good fun to watch. It's just, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Um, I thought it was worth shoehorning that in. You've always got a good Jaeger story. I like it. Um, interesting team in Florida. They they could really make a playoff push. But if for whatever reason, say, uh, oh, I don't want to jinx things, but say Luongo gets hurt and Il Montoya has to, to play and they fall a little bit off the thing, it, we can go on another Jaeger watch. <laughs> and this is the thing though I wouldn't mind seeing that Florida team make it but I also wouldn't mind seeing where he ends up <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah it won't won't, won't be Pittsburgh anymore that, no. that a, they legitimately could have used them last year or the year before or the year before but now that they have Kessel Hornquist uh, it, it's, it would be tough to justify uh, a, a no, Yager I, I watch Pittsburgh Yager watch but I'll still enjoy uh, just in general <laughs> Uh, Yager watch. So, well, I'm kind of I'm kind of out of stuff for now. Sorry for the gap between podcast guys. Yeah, I had things. Sorry. You are allowed to have a life outside of uh, outside of hockey, Gunner. You know that. Yeah. So, well, the good news is we have um, kind of an artificially created topic. So, as long as we have availability, <laughs> we'll be able to uh, pump out the Metro Division. Uh, Pacific Central, Central yeah. uh, of the best and worst moves. So that's something to look forward to. Um, we won't have to kind of pray and hope that something somebody happens. Somebody makes a sign or a trade or anything like that. We'll still talk about those things if they come up, but at least we're guaranteed to have some topic material moving forward. So well played, us, huh? Nice work thinking about that before we got on. Yeah, it was spur spur of the moment kind of idea. So. Woohoo! All right. Well, we'll um, 